Welcome to the Murder Book, a true crime podcast, where each week we will present notorious crimes, controversial cases, unsolved cases, missing persons, and serial killers, details of the crime scenes, childhood of the murderer, and the life of the victims will be explored. Each episode is translated into Spanish. We have a new episode every Monday, and you can listen to it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and other platforms you use to listen to your podcasts. Let's begin. Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution for children under 13. Today we will continue with part three of the mysterious death of Eliza Lamb. We already discussed the mysterious circumstances in which she was found dead in one of the water tanks of the Cecil Hotel in LA. We talk about her autopsy report, her toxicology report. We talk also about Eliza's uh, point of view of how she felt with her struggles over her mental illness, depression, and later on bipolar uh, disorder. So we will continue with uh, talking a little bit more about these circumstances that still has some questions uh, that have not been answered by the LAPD. And it continues up today after seven years. Uh, people still talk talking about this case. So let's begin starting with in 2015, so a couple of years after Lisa's death, her parents, David and Yina uh, Lamb, they have never made public statements regarding the, the case, but they did sue the Cecil Hotel for criminal negligence. And the lawsuit filed by the Lamb family, what they wanted to establish was that the Cecil Hotel bore some criminal responsibility for Eliza's death because of the safety conditions of the roof. The lawsuit was important because it likely meant that the LAPD detectives would have to reveal some of their investigation notes. There were some disclosures that could include information regarding whether any witnesses or suspects were questioned. So the civil trial was set for February of 2016 in Los Angeles Superior Court. So prior to that, a few months before, on November, the Lamb family attorneys filed a motion at the courthouse in L.A. accusing the Cecil Hotel of negligence causing wrongful death. 
as a result of the defendant's negligence, the plaintiffs have suffered the loss of their daughter, love, companionship, comfort, care, and affection. They have incurred an economic loss, including funeral bureau expenses. The lawsuit also alleged the CISO hotel management did not properly monitor access to the roof and the water cisterns. So in response to that, the attorneys for the CISO hotel stated that Lisa Lamb was herself negligent and careless and that also her parents, the plaintiff themselves, were negligent as well. So the Lamb family attorney files a special motion because they have sued the Cecil Hotel instead of stay on Main, which is what the Cecil management had legally changed the building's name uh, after the media attention that, that they have because of this case. So if you go to, let's say, if you Google Cecil Hotel, you still can find it easily. But if you have, a, if you see the pictures, it, it says stay on the main and then it says Cecil Hotel. So that's why they needed to do the clarification. In other, uh, there was a deposition testimony by the general manager of that time, which was Amy Price. And she confirmed that Eliza had checked into a shared dormitory room, uh, room 506B. And that was on January 28th and was booked to check out three days later, which was February 1st. The hotel received complaints uh, from Eliza's roommates, and this is according to Miss Price, about her strange behavior on and on the 31st of January, they moved Eliza to a private room on the same floor, which is the fifth floor. The manager also stated that the water cisterns run on a gravity operated system where the water is pumped from a main water line at street level and the tanks which are situated on the northern border of the hotel are difficult to access, restricted from guests. Both Price and their chief engineer, his name is Pedro Tovar, he stated that the only ways to access the roof are three exterior fire escapes and one interior staircase connecting the 15th floor to the roof. The door is equipped with an alarm that if activated issues a loud sound on the 14th and 15th floor and also on the, at the front desk. According to hotel management, this alarm was not activated at any point in January or February 2013. Price says that she was not aware of any guests trespassing on the hotel roof. And Pedro Tovar, who had worked for the hotel for 30 years, described that it was very difficult to access the water tanks. To access the water tanks, someone would have to climb a ladder up the platform and then squeeze through the tanks and plumbing equipment to reach another ladder 
climb up the side of the 10-foot tall tank. The tanks are fully covered through each uh, because each of them have a heavy metal lid that is approximately 18 inches by 18 inches. Tovar stated that he took the LAPD investigators himself and the canine unit under search of every floor and the roof and that they searched the roof but nobody climbed the watery tanks and nobody of course by doing that nobody looked inside them as well so this confirms that the investigators spent time on the roof with the K-9 unit um but there are conflicted reports as to whether the lid of the tank in which Eliza was found was open or closed. Santiago Lopez, the, man- the maintenance worker who discovered the body, stated that the lid was open. So in the pre-trial hearings, the Lamb family attorneys enter into evidence the declaration of Eliza's engineer named Brad P. Averitt. And in his analysis, Mr. Averitt, let, he concluded that the rooftop area of the Cecil Hotel presented a danger to its tenants, especially given that it was evident that tenants and guests have accessed the roof over the years and left graffiti behind. He said the hatch door of the water tanks were not secure um, through any locking mechanism, that the hotel could not have been certain that only trained personnel would access the tanks. And he also stated that once a person, whether intentionally or inadvertently, were to go into the rooftop water tank, there were no grab bar, bars, access ladder of any kind, essentially creating a confined space in which there were no reasonable means of safe exit available. The insecure nature of the water tank hatches created a potential safety hazard to all occupants of the building and allowing for intentional contamination of the water supply being utilized by all guest rooms. And this engineer noted three critical points. The first critical point was that the water tanks were accessible by a wooden ladder that was in place at the time of the accident. His second critical point, there there were no surveillance cameras in place at the access points for the roof. And three, it is quite possible that the stairwell door alarm was not working properly. But on the other hand, the LAPD appears to have discovered no trace evidence, no fingerprint, no scent. So the questions here are, how do you rule foul play if you can't determine the path Eliza took on the roof? How can you be sure that she moved up there in her own, on her own accord? Could Eliza have been led at gunpoint to the roof? Could it be an accidental manslaughter scenario? And they carry her there. So once the detectives were on the roof, it doesn't seem that they they searched the tanks. 
So the, the roof of the Cecil Hotel has a utility room and the tanks, and that's it. So the question that many have asked is, did the LAPD investigate the roof at all? Well, after all this was presented, a judge dismissed the civil lawsuit. The plaintiff's primary argument was that the roof constituted a mortal danger to Eliza and to other guests because the water cistern was not locked and had no internal mechanism by which someone could climb out once inside. The water tanks at the Cecil Hotel were an accident waiting to happen. The judge apparently stated that the lid weighted 20 pounds, was not hinged, was not removable, a lock by itself, he argued, would therefore not have secured the tanks. The fact that there was graffiti as well as motorway reports of drinking on the roof shows that getting up there was not very difficult. Yet the plaintiff did not seize upon this line of attack and instead only stressed the fact that the cistern remained unlocked, which left the hotel's water supply vulnerable to contamination poisoning. So uh, the attorney representing the Lamb family made the following statement on their behalf. And I'm going to quote. It says, The case to the horrors of mental illness... Eliza Lamb was not killed by a boogeyman or a haunted hotel. She fell off her medication. She had a psychotic break, accessed the roof, found the water tank, and died. End quote. After virtually no further deliberation, the judge granted the defense's motion, and of course, throughout the case. A jury would not get to hear this case. The LAPD would not have to be required to release any additional evidence or information. But there's just some questions that they were never answered. Like, what was Eliza doing on the 14th floor? Her room, even though it had changed, she was still on the fifth floor. The upper floors are supposedly where the long-term residents live. Why was Eliza up there? Who were the supposed roommates that had complained of her behavior? Had the police questioned them? What was Eliza doing on January 26th and January 27th? She was in LA, but had not checked into the CISO. Who did she stay with? In regards to the autopsy report, there's more questions. Why had it taken so long to release? Why did they scratch through undetermined and write accidental? Did they conduct a rape kit? What about a fingernail kit to determine if there was any foreign DNA? So looking at the autopsy report, some people question if Eliza drowned or not. So according to the Forensic Science Medical Pathology Journal from 2015, there is an article entitled Immersion, Death, and Drowning Issues Arising. In the investigations of bodies recovered from water, 
uh, and it says that while the pathological findings may support the fact that a body has been immersed in water, this may be self-evident from the history and may not necessarily clarify whether drowning has occurred or not. The usefulness of the pathology finding lies in the fact that a collection of typical findings provides strong supportive evidence for drowning. So the diagnosis, as in many conditions that are encountered in forensic pathology, comes from to the balance of probabilities and the exclusion of other natural or unnatural possibilities, end quote. If she drowned, why is it not mentioned water found in the intricate cavities of her nose? The autopsy does not report dissection of the nose to find fluid. There is no indication of water on lungs or stomach. If she drowned, how come her body was found face up and not face down? When a person died underwater, the body tends to go into a natural uh, fetal position. Uh, the other problem that I have is that she was in a water tank during occurrence or animals that could have interfered for her to be face up if she drowned. Um, the detective explained that perhaps during her hallucinations caused by hypothermia, Eliza took her clothes off or it was to have less weight as she was treading water. But if you are drowning, you're stressed, you're panicking to get that breath of air. It makes you wonder, do you really stop to unbutton or unzip your clothes? You're sort of trying to get out of the tank. If Eliza was in the tank in panic... She would be grabbing, scratching things. But there is no descriptions in the autopsy of damaged fingernails either. So there are many questions that after all of these years, there are still an answer. Um, did something took place on the 14th floor before and after Eliza was recorded in the elevator? How, when, and why did she get on the roof? Was she alone? And if not, who was with her? When did Eliza die? Was she still alive when she entered the water tank? Did she do so on her own? So those questions have never been answered. So even Eliza's roommates at the Cecil Hotel uh, had never spoken on the record. Do they exist? What are their names? We don't know that. I haven't found anything on um, in any single piece of information that I found. There's nothing. So we know that the Cecil Hotel has a sordid history of unsolved murders, unexplained deaths, sexual assaults. Multiple guests and tenants have alleged predatory employees and exploitive criminal business practices going there. Um, several independent coroners have discussed major inconsistencies and flaws with regard of the cause of death. Uh, her surveillance tape 
of Eliza Lamb from inside the hotel contained multiple anomalies, including missing times, spliced frames, time code cuts and errors. So it makes you wonder, you know, was the tape doctored? Another surveillance tape of Eliza, who, with allegedly two unknown men, has never been made public or has never been explained. There was a new witness that claimed that an off-duty cop told him that investigators found Eliza's uh, belongings in a skid row dumpster. Uh, That has never been corroborated, uh, if that's true or not. A family member of the hotel employee, the, the... the maintenance guy who discovered the body, he alleges that someone paid him, the employee, a large sum of money to move his family out of the country after his deposition. Can this be proven? Who who is this someone who paid this employee? Why did he need it to basically leave town and with his family? Um you know, including his family, who has an interest in this case that they pay off these people. So, and if they pay him, did they play, did, did they pay management? Did they pay cops? Ooh, is, is there something crooked here? So there's so many questions for this case that many to this day uh, have have been unanswered. In this case, even though officially it's closed, in, and it is stated that it was by accidental drowning, the family ha- have accepted the fact that even though they their lawsuit is dismissed, it was because of her illness that she got into the tank and, and drowned, but the there was neglect on part of the hotel. Uh, they have moved on. There is um, some information, but I couldn't confirm, that says that they sold their their business and, and move. Um, if that's uh, accurate or not, there's no way to corroborate. Um, but this case, it is a mystery. There's a lot of questions. That, that remains unanswered. Thank you for listening. This is The Murder Book. Thanks again for tuning into The Murder Book, a true crime podcast. You can find all episodes of The Murder Book for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Podchaser, Amazon Music, you can go to my website, themurderbooktruecrimepodcast.com. All resources used in researching this episode, including books and newspaper articles, are on my website. We are on Facebook and on Twitter at themurderbook1. Send your comments or suggestions at my email, themurderbook5 at gmail.com. Please subscribe and leave a five-star rating so that others can find this podcast and it helps me get better. Episodes come out every Monday. 
and there's a Spanish version for this episode. Enjoy your week. Thank you.